At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, this is our For the Nations Week, something that we kicked off uh, just last night here at Wildwood, and specifically on this weekend, we're celebrating some of what God is doing through Wildwood among the Spanish-speaking world. And so we have a song from Venezuela, but also we have a couple of special guests and missionaries who are joining us here today, and that is Chris Pratt and Davey Bracco. So I'd invite them to come on up. Let's give them a nice welcome. Now, Chris is someone that you probably know. He was with us last summer, uh, but also was at Wildwood back in the 90s. We actually overlapped briefly in the 90s when I was a student at OU and you were on staff with crew here, and Wildwood has had the privilege of partnering with you the last couple of decades as you have gone uh, different spots around the world, and now you serve with crew in a national leadership role in the office in Orlando. And, and Davey, uh, you partner with Chris in ministry and have a global role with crew, and we're going to hear a little bit more about your story today. Uh, but, but Chris, you were with us with your wife, Anna, last summer, and I understand that this summer you have some exciting things going down. We do, actually, that we are extremely excited about. If you've been around Wildwood long enough, you might remember that in the summer of 1999, you guys helped send me to Spain, to a place that's about 100 miles west of where David is from, who's going to share later, uh, to open up a Christian hostel in a 400-year-old stone farmhouse on a hiking trail called the Camino de Santiago. Well, that ministry is thriving and has been thriving for the past 20 years. Uh, Dozens of people every year come to Christ right there on the spot, and thousands more get to experience the gospel through the service and the words of those volunteers, the Christian volunteers that are serving there. Uh, If you've seen the movie The Way uh, with Martin Sheen, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's a phenomenal ministry, and as the 20th anniversary rolled around, we were invited to come back. And so my wife and I and our four kids are going to spend a week in June serving in a place where you guys sent me 20 years ago to see what the Lord is doing, the faithful service of the Lord uh, to his work, and you guys and us all together doing this together. Wow. Well, praise God for that. Um, yeah, we can celebrate that. Um, but, but, but also, it's just interesting how the Lord has put all this together because you're going to experience some ministry again in Spain. A little later on, David Robles, who is a pastor in Lyon, Spain, will be delivering the sermon this morning. Uh, but also, we had a song from Venezuela. And, David, you're from Venezuela. Um, and so maybe share with us, just help us to get to know you a little better and uh, how the Lord has been at work in your life. Thank you. And uh, it is a pleasure to be here uh, at Wilder. It's my first time here. And I'm just uh, super excited to share with you guys. Um, uh, my name is David Bracho, and I am from Venezuela. I have been working full-time with the Ministry of Crew, uh, first in Venezuela uh, for 13 years, and, uh, and now uh, in Florida for two and a half years. I am married. Um, my wife's uh, name is Janina. She has been uh, serving with me full-time for the last uh, 15 years, and uh, we have... Uh, Two girls and now a boy. Uh, the, the girls are Paula. Her name, uh, her name is Paula, and she's seven years old. Uh, Natalia is uh, six years old. 
And now Emiliano, he's been with us for three months, uh, and he has changed our lives a lot. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Davey, I, I know um, your involvement with Crew. One of the things that we know about uh, Crew's ministry is they have a, a strategy or a philosophy, which is to reach the campus today and the world tomorrow. Maybe share with us a little bit about how that story intersects with your story. Um. Yeah, crew is a lot about winning, building, and sending, and and, I, and I've seen that in my own life uh, a lot. I uh, I come from a from a middle class dysfunctional family, and I'm the youngest of five, and uh, we were not Christians growing up, and I I was saved through the ministry of Christ when I was a sophomore in college, uh, in my hometown. I um, I was a lot into partying during that time uh, because I, I was not a believer. And some guys uh, invited me to a party, and I decided to go. And the party turned out to be a Bible study. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they actually ended up sharing uh, their faith with me. And, uh, and I accepted Jesus uh, when I was 18 years old. Uh, and, uh, yeah, those, uh, those students that shared the gospel with me were actually students from the U.S. who happened to be in Venezuela uh, in a, in a summer mission, and they were sent by crew. Well, praise God for that. I know many of you may have gone on a summer mission trip and wondered what happened after you left. This is one of those examples of what the Lord does in, in the time after summer trip folks go home. Well, after the summer missionaries went home, what, what happened next? Uh, crew sent another, another team of missionaries that would be uh, around for one or two years, and uh, during that time, uh, I was a brand new believer uh, in love with Jesus, uh, wanting to learn about my new faith. And they would actually, as they were discipling me, they would take me on campus to do ministry with them. So sharing my faith on campus was uh, something that we, do, we would do actually daily. And, uh, and also, during those years, I got to the chance to lead Bible studies uh, and also to go on missions. We, we went to missions. I went to missions as a student. Uh, in Venezuela uh, and overseas as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that a part of that process of your discipleship was uh, going out and, and sharing your faith with others, and you were able to go and serve Christ even in North Africa, I believe, right? Uh, actually, no, but I, <laughs> yeah, but I can I can connect that story to North Africa because uh, I, yeah, I share with. Uh, Thanks for helping me. Yeah, no, no problem, Mark. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, during my years as a student, uh, I shared my faith and disciples on guys. And uh, when I decided to join the ministry of crew uh, after I graduated, I, um, I, we, we would do the same. And it, I was actually excited to get to do that uh, for a living, uh, share my faith and, and discipling students. And uh, I met a uh, Christian. First, my wife met Diana in another state because we served in different states in the country. Uh, and during our first year uh, after we got married, uh, my wife started discipling Diana, and Diana is in the picture there. She was a freshman in college when my wife started discipling her. Then we got transferred into another city, and I met Christian in that city, and he had been like a, a believer for maybe two months when I, not, uh, when, when I, when I met him. And I uh, started discipling him and started helping uh, Christian to launch a new movement in his campus. And um, I discipled, uh, I discipled uh, Christian for about three years. And, uh, and then he decided to join the ministry of crew, 
they got married. They're expecting a baby. But um, the funny story is, is a Christian is actually going to North Africa and taking students uh, on missions uh, every year there. They have actually adopted a country in the area, and they are sending students uh, to share the gospel with Muslims uh, in that area. I uh, just, I just love, um, just right now we're, we're sitting here and seeing the fulfillment of that vision of reaching the campus today and the world tomorrow. And it's such a privilege for us to be able to partner with the ministry of Crew and with you, Chris, for all, all of these years. And Davey, such a privilege for us to have you with us today. Would you just join me in praying for our friends and their ministry? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I just want to uh, say something really quick here. I, I just want to give you an encouragement uh, because uh, as you can see, uh, the process in my life, uh, the reason why I'm here is because uh, those college students from the United States decided to go on a mission. And the reason why uh, Christian is, uh, is doing ministry full-time is because uh, people like, like me in ministry decided to, uh, to invest in their lives. And the reason why maybe some of the students that are going on missions to, to the Middle East with, with Christian will continue to be uh, used by the Lord uh, for his glory in the kingdom is because we are deciding to go. So my encouragement to you is uh, if you can go, go. Amen. Well, let's, let's pray together. Father God, we are so very thankful that you involve us by your grace in your work. Father, thank you that Second Timothy 2.2 is your means to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, that you have entrusted to us what you desire us to entrust to others. Thank you that students from the U.S. went to Venezuela. Thank you for Davey and for him to continue to invest the truth that he has received about Jesus to others as well. And, Father, we pray that there would just be many, many more men and women who would be trusting in Christ through their testimony and that the world would be changed as the campus is reached. We thank you for the ministry of Crew and for Chris and Anna and our partnership over the years, and we pray your many blessings on them and on Davey and his family. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen. Thank you so much. Well, Wildwood, one of the things that we have the privilege of doing as a church is partnering together with people around the world to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And we believe that the primary vehicle for that is going to be through the local church. And so what a privilege it is for us to partner with those who are training pastors to plant churches and to lead churches for movements for Christ around the world. One of those who is doing that is David Robles, who's going to be bringing our sermon today. David is a pastor in Lyon, Spain. But he also is the president of the Berea Seminary there, uh, training um, men to lead churches in, in Spain, as well as in a number of areas around there. So we're so thankful to have David with us today. I, I've been able to hear the message he's about to deliver in the first service, and I'm so thankful we have two services because I get to hear it again as he guides us into God's Word in Psalm 67. So at this time, would you join me in welcoming David Robles? Well, thank you, Mark, for your kind introduction. And it's very, really a blessing to be here. We got to spend some time together with some of you presenting what the Lord is doing 
in Spain, and it's a greater privilege to preach his word. And just share what Psalm 67 is saying. And this morning, as we go to God's word, we're going to be answering a question from this text. Why does God bless us? Why does God bless you? And to make it more concrete and personal, we should be asking ourselves, how has God blessed me lately? We have many blessings every day and every time of the year. Many times they go unnoticed. But sometimes we have great blessings that we remember for a lifetime. And one of those for me has been what God has been doing in our home church, in my home city where I grew up. And it's been amazing. Due to our history, Spain has been really a country that persecute Christians. We invented the Spanish Inquisition for our bad reputation. But also the Spanish Inquisition tried to crush the reformation that happened 500 years ago. So really the gospel never made a true impact in Spain. And the Lord in the recent years has granted us our, our church in Leon, a land given by the local government. Those who used to persecute us now are giving us a land for free to build an evangelical church over an acre in the prime location of the city, next to Amo and in the way to the hospital. And just this land is worth $5 million. So the, the Lord gave us this an amazing blessing, unimaginable. And, you know, we are a small church. We are a large church for Spain, but still a, a small church, 150 people, and just workers and normal people with not much resources. And we were asking ourselves, what are we going to do with this? The Lord has given us this such a great blessing. we got to do as much as we can, give as much as we can, and trust in the Lord for doing His will. Well, after seven years of a church building project, which is unique in Spain because we don't have church buildings in most of Spain, the Lord has given us now a building that is almost finished. Lord willing, we'll be able to do the dedication in the fall. And we are praising the Lord for this great blessing. The whole city hall gave us this land unanimously. Even the stream left party that considered themselves atheists vote in favor. So this is truly an act of God, and God is changing history in our country. And the question is, why is God blessing us this way? Now you have a story you are remembering how God is blessing you in many ways in your life. Why? Well, Psalm 67 tells us three main reasons why God is blessing us. And I would like us to read together Psalm 67 that says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Psalm 67 tells us the three main reasons why God blesses us. But before going there, we got to understand what Psalm 67 is about. It's not about us. 
And it's not really about the nations first. It's about God himself. And just doing a little bit of observation, we will see from the text that God is the emphasis. As you read the text, you notice that God is mentioned directly six times. Six times in just seven verses. But also, you like English and you like to see grammar, you will see that God is mentioned indirectly by pronouns 11 more times. So just in seven verses, God's name, God's name is mentioned 17 times. So this psalm is about God. God is the center and not his blessings. And we want to be thinking about the God of the blessings, not the blessings that come from God. Why is God the God of the blessings? Blessing us, blessing his people as he was doing in the past with the people of Israel, as he's doing now with his church, with us, his children in Jesus Christ. Psalm 67 gives us three of the main reasons why God blesses his people. The first reason we find in this text, we see the first two verses. And it is so that others may know him and be saved. Why is God blessing you? So that others may know him and be saved. Let's read together the first two verses again. They say, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. The psalmist begins this psalm by appealing to God's goodness. And in order that he may bless us, he is considering who is God. And he's appealing to God to do something in accordance to his character. Verse 1 says, God, be gracious to us and bless us. Why is God going to bless us? God is going to bless us because we are better than others? Or because we deserve it? Or because we want it or because we ask for it? That's not the main reason. That's not the reason, really, any of them. Why? The psalmist knows who he is and who God is. And that's why he's starting saying, God, be gracious to us and bless us. Be gracious means to show favor, to lean toward one side, showing mercy in someone else's favor. And the psalmist is asking God to be on our side, on the side of his people. To tilt the scale toward us. But not because we deserve it or we are better than others. But because of his mercy. Because of his graciousness. In other words, that he will give us not what we deserve. But he will give us graciously what we don't deserve. And he will bless us. And he continues and says, verse 1. And cause his face to shine upon us. This is a formula and a literary figure that was well known at that time because God was telling Moses in Numbers chapter 6 to pray for Aaron and his sons and to bless them this way with this prayer. And God himself tells this prayer. Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 and following says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, 
The Lord bless you and keep you. This is a verse that I've seen in many places, right? And it's very well known. And he continues saying, verse 25, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious on you. Pretty much the same as Psalm 67 is saying. What does it mean, the Lord make his face shine upon you? Well, this is a metaphorical sense and refers to the shining of the sun. Have you seen how shiny is the sun? It's something everyone knows, right? You even want to try to look directly to the sun. It's so shiny that you can't. So what he's saying is talking about the splendor and the greatness of something that is common to us and we know, the sun. Nobody's going to argue about that. Well, he's applying it to God. He's applying it through the face of God. It's a way of saying, God, show us your glory, your majesty, your splendor, your greatness, which, by the way, we cannot see. Because we don't deserve it. And he's praying, be gracious to us and first bless us spiritually. Bless us showing us who you are. Revealing yourself to us. Your glory. This request is not self-centered. This request is centered on God and his glory. And he's asking, display your glory and bless us. Because we want to see the glory of God. And when you understand who God is, and you understand the greatness of God, and his splendor, and his majesty, everything else falls short. Everything else is just second or third division. God blesses us. First, revealing himself to us. And once you know him, and you experience his greatness, and his glory, then you want others to experience the same. But first, you got to make sure you have experienced God's glory and greatness. And this is really something that satisfies you and gives you joy in your life. Verse 2 says the first reason for which they want to be blessed. Blessed by the Lord. Reflect his greatness. Verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth your salvation among all nations. As the Lord is blessing us spiritually, as we see his glory, as we enjoy and taste his greatness, then we're going to reflect his greatness and we're going to point people to God so others may know him and be saved. That your way may be known. That your salvation may be known among all nations. This is a Hebrew poetry. This is a parallelism. It's saying the same idea with different words. But the main verb is the same. May be known. And known in this context means obtaining or possessing true information about something or someone. In this case, about God. Knowing really God. Historically speaking, Spain, the country I come from... It's a very religious country. And this is especially manifested through the Roman Catholic Church. And most people will consider themselves Christians. And many people think they know God. They know God their way because they know their religious language. 
because they went to church sometime, because they were raised in a so-called Christian country or an environment, or because they heard something about God. So sometimes when you start a conversation with someone about the gospel, about Christ, about the Bible, about God, they will tell you, oh, I already know about it. Do you really know about it? Do you have truly the right information about it? Where do you get your information from? Do you get it from uh, religion? Do you get it from human beings? Do you get it from traditions? Or you got it directly from God, from his word? Obtaining the true information about God is not going to come from my experience. It's not going to come from tradition. It's not going to come from religion. It's going to come only from the word of God because it is God himself revealing to us. So we want others to know God, but to know him through his word. Know really the true and living God. Because being familiarized with God or or with religious jargon is not going to save anyone. It's not really knowing God. What do we need to know about God? Specifically, two aspects about him, his way and his salvation. Your way may be known. In other words, what is your purpose, your will for our lives? Your salvation may be known. The main theme in the Old and New Testament revealed progressively. And it could mean the salvation or temporal deliverance. But really, it's meaning this that leads to forgiveness and eternal salvation in Christ. All the earth, all the nations must know that God is the rescuer, the protector, the deliverer. And especially the Savior. Everyone needs to know that God sent his son Jesus Christ. God made men to pay for the punishment that we deserve. Because we are sinners. Unrighteous. And he lived the righteous life that we are unable to live. Jesus died on the cross to appease the wrath of God towards sinners. And save us from the coming wrath and eternal damnation. To those who trust in him through faith, by grace, as our Lord and Savior. He's going to declare us righteous before God. And we're going to be made his children. And receive all these blessings. And finally, know really who God is through Jesus Christ. God himself, our Lord and Savior. What a blessing. What is a greater blessing than that? And if you are here this morning and you grew up in the church or you come to church or you are familiar with religious language or you live in an area that you got to go to church sometime or every Sunday, well, that's not going to save you. You got to know really who God is. And you got to know who you are and come to him as a sinner. Repent from your sins and come to Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for your sins. So you could be a children of God and really knowing him through Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But you can only desire this and do this if you first know God. If his face has shined upon your life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this is not only about a decision you made in the past. This is not about only a prayer you pray. This is not only about something you are doing in a church. This is about now. Are you really excited about Christ? 
Are you still the same or more in love with Christ because you know him more and more? As you know him more, you are more amazed about who Christ is, about who you are, and then you want to share with others about Christ? Forget about me. I want to talk to you about myself. I want to talk to you about my children. I love my children. I have three beautiful daughters. I don't want to tell you about my children. I want to tell you about Christ because he is glorious and his splendor and his greatness is incomparable. And we want others to know him and be safe. Why is God blessing us? So that others may truly know him and be safe. That's the first reason we find in this psalm. But we find a second reason, verses 3 through 5, so that others may praise him and rejoice. In fact, verse 3 and verse 5 are exactly the same. Verse 3 and verse 5 says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And this verb that is repeated four times in these two verses, praise you, means give thanks. This verb expresses true worship. True worship is exaltation, making a public confession, praising someone and giving thanks to him, focusing on the person to whom we are giving thanks, not what we receive from him. On whom is the worship focus? The worship is not focused in ourselves. It's not about me. It's about God. Look, let the people praise you, not me. You, who is you? It's not either you or me. It's God. Oh, God. And only a few people let all the peoples praise you, O oh God. God is the center of all true worship. People worship many things in this life. Sometimes we have the temptation to worship different things. That God is the only one who has the right to be worshipped. Right? We may worship our family. We may worship our job. We may worship trendy things. We may worship the popular culture. We may worship the social media. We may worship our friends. We will worship our spouse. We may worship money. We may worship position. We may worship fame. Many things we worship. But the only one who truly deserves worship is God. And we want others to praise him and rejoice as we praise him and rejoice because his face has shined upon us, because Christ is our Lord and Savior. But verse 4 gives us more specific reasons for which we got to worship him. In the second part of verse 4, we find two attributes of God. Verse 4, second part says, For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Why? Everyone has to worship God because he's God and because he's God, he has attributes we don't have. The first one, he is righteous. He's always right. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness. He's saying he's the only one who can resolve an issue between two parties and do it with authority. And his final decision is going to be always right. And he's going to do it with uprightness. Verse 4. With balance. 
In fact, this word literally was used primarily to describe flat ground. This is the first time I'm in Oklahoma. I understand better now where it's a flat ground, right? <laughs> I live near to the mountains, and in Leon, it's a high, high hill and mountains around, so you don't find that much of flat ground. But you come here and you don't find mountains and everything is flat. Well, there are no surprises, right? You start driving and then always going to be the same. Nothing unexpected. Well, this is using it as an illustration to understand how the righteousness of God works. How he's going to judge. He's always going to judge, apply his righteousness the same way. No difference to anyone. He's always going to do it perfectly. No surprises. Nothing unexpected. He's always going to give the same righteousness to you, to me, a hundred years ago, two hundred years later. This is our great God. The only one righteous. Have you ever tried to hang a, a frame on a wall? And then even if you're not a handyman, you probably try to do it and Many occasions, you just did that, and you feel good about yourself, and you think, oh, I did it right, it's straight, and then maybe someone else, a friend or a family member or your spouse comes and says, well, honey, you know, it's a little bit to the left or to the right. No, no, it's straight. I did it, I'm right, right? I know how to do it. And sometimes these things even start a discussion, and even a heated discussion, Right? Well, you know how you can resolve that? You could be arguing there all day long saying it's right, it's to the left, it's to the right. No, just get a level. Put it on top of the frame and it will tell who is right and who is wrong. That's a good advice for marriage and for everyone else. (laughs) Just for free. Well, this is applicable to God. He is the one who is right. He is the level. He's always right. It's not about you or me, my opinion, your opinion. He is the one who is going to tell who is right and who is wrong. And we praise him for that because we are not like that. But there's a second thing he describes here. He will guide us, guide the nations on the earth. He's not only just, but he's also our guide. He's the one who leads the way in the right direction and leads and guides the nations in the right way. It's like a mountain guide. We have mountains in Leon, so you go there easily, you can be lost, and you need to know which is the best way to go so you don't get in danger. So you have a mountain guide who opens up and points to the path to which people behind needs to follow. He knows the best for those who follow the path and shows you how to avoid unnecessary problems and falls. This is our God. But he's not guiding us through a mountain. He's guiding us through life. And we can trust him because he knows the way. When he's telling something, we may think, wait a minute, I have a different opinion about it. Well, trust in the Lord because he knows better. You may consider yourself an expert and say, oh, I have a better solution for that. I'm going to trust myself, not the Lord. Well, trust in the Lord because he's the one who can guide you who can guide the nations in the right way always. And he's going to guide you through his word, his revealed will to his people. But we don't want to keep this to ourselves. Because when you find this out, what are you going to do? Give thanks to the Lord. But you want others 
to do the same and to know the same God and to know that God is righteous and to know that the only way to have a relationship with God, this righteous and perfect God, is through Jesus Christ. You only can make, be, be made righteous through the righteousness of Christ. So point people to Christ. But also, you can only be guided guide in this life through God's guidance once you are his children. So you rejoice with this. Not only the Lord has rebel, revealed his greatness to you, not only he has made you, you, you his children through Jesus Christ, not only he has declared you righteous, something you are not, not only he guides you in life, but he gives you the opportunity to tell others about him. And when you are excited, excited about something, you talk about it. Last night, we are very, so, very soccer fans, right? We call it football in Spain. We, we think it's real football until I came to the States. Now I know it's real football. But in Spain, we have soccer, right? And last night, Real Madrid and Barcelona, which are the main two teams in Spain and many consider in the world for soccer, were playing El Clásico, the, the rivalry, this match. And Barcelona beat Real Madrid again for the second time in the week. I'm a Barcelona fan, you can tell. And right after the service we had last night, I was talking to people who like soccer, and I was talking about Barcelona because I got excited about it. Did you see that they beat Real Madrid? Did you see that goal? Did you see how they play? Why? Because I know, I'm excited about it. I want to tell other people until you got to see the review, the, the highlights and see that goal, right? Well, is the same for God? Is the same for Christ? Do you know Christ really? And you are excited about Christ and you want to tell others, not out of obligation, although it's a mandate to go to the nations to preach the gospel, but out of your love for him and because you are excited about him and because you know him? If that's the case, you are going to do this. Tell the nations, because you want the nations to be as much glad as you are. Verse 4, verse first part says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. But you can only desire this when you have found your gladness and your joy in Christ first. And then you will desire, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And you're going to do as much as you can to tell about Christ for others, to others, but also help others to spread the word out to those places you cannot go. Be glad means pleasure of feeling that causes happiness and joy. Only in God we can find true joy and delight. Everything else is a substitute, a cheap imitation. Be glad and sing for joy. When you are glad... People can notice, right? And even one of the results of being glad is singing, right? Sometimes people start singing and you say, well, what's, what's wrong with you? Well, the question will be, what's right with you, right? Because something good is happening in your life. Well, when you are happy, when you find something, the result is joy. And in this case, it's saying, sing for joy, literally, resounding sound. And in Spain, in our culture, when you are happy, People can notice. You come from another culture, then they may think you are crazy or you are upset or you are discussing. 
We're having dinner, everyone is talking at the same time. It's getting louder and louder and louder. You cannot hear anybody, you interrupt everybody. And it's a big noise. You are in a restaurant, you cannot hear each other and they don't even have music because everyone is loud. Well, that's because they are having a great time. That's part of our culture. But here is not a cultural thing. It's saying, sing for joy. This is a Christian thing. You sing with resounding sound. It can be heard. You don't come to church to hear to the worship team sing. You don't come to a concert. You come, you come to a worship center, to service. And you are part of that. And you got to be resounding even more than the guys that have a mic so they couldn't hear themselves. And be resounding because it comes from your heart because we know this great God, because we know who he is, because we are praising God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You cannot produce this. You cannot manufacture this. This is something real. When you really know who God is and you're going to express it through the singing to the Lord with joy. And you want other people to do the same. One of the signs in Spain that the Roman Catholic Church is not portraying the true God because they depart from the world of God many centuries ago. And from the true gospel is attending one of the worship services. You go there, you go to a mass. We have a beautiful cathedral in Leon, one of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world with a stained glass that is world-renowned. And you go in there and you go to a service and it's a funeral, completely a funeral. Why? Because they don't know really the true God and his face that is not shining upon them. We know God. Why? Because we know Christ. And through the gospel now, we are praising this great God. And we want others to do the same. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. There is a third reason in this text why God blesses us so that others may know him and be saved, so that others may praise him and rejoice, and thirdly, so that others may fear him and enjoy his blessings. Till now, the psalmist is emphasizing spiritual blessings. Mainly knowing God, and we want others to know God. But now he's going to change gears, and he's going to focus on the material blessings we receive from God. Verse 6 says, the earth has yielded its produce. In this case, earth refers to the land, to the land in comparison to the bodies of water, the natural material which a planet is made, which is appropriate to plant and cultivate food. And we know this not only for the word, but also for the context, because it says, the earth has yielded its produce. This produce is a natural agricultural product, organic products, right? That's the way it needs to be. God created that way. Well, the root of the bird has yielded means richly. Not only a few products. No, the harvest has been excellent. This is a great material blessing. It's a way of measuring how rich you were, how large the harvest was. How was the harvest? Was amazing. Great blessing, great material blessing. And he's saying, God, keep blessing us this way, in a material way. Verse 6, God our God blesses us. God 
blesses us. And he is saying it in a way that is remembering from the past till now, he has blessed us. And our expectation that he's going to continue blessing us in a material way. For what reason? Verse 7 at the end. That all the ends of the earth may fear him. All the ends of the earth may respect, show reference, show honor, recognition to him. That's also the reason why God is blessing us materially. Yes, God blesses his people to enjoy his blessings, to give praise to his name. And it's great. If God is blessing you materially, praise the Lord for that. He's showing his graciousness and his character. Enjoy it. But don't enjoy it only for yourself. Keep this in mind so that all the heirs of the earth may fear him. Use that material blessing so others may find true joy, true satisfaction, not only in this life, but in eternal life, because that's what's going to count for eternity. Invest in the kingdom of God. I've been asking myself this question for many years. We've been going through this church building project in Spain, which is unique and heard of in our history. And I was asking myself many times, God, why are you blessing us this way? Why are you blessing us this way? Why are you giving us this piece of land which is worth $5 million? Why have you provided to build this building which is unique in our context, in such a strategic location that you can see it? Why are you making us front cover in the newspaper or making us to the local news? Why? Why? Is it about ourselves? Is so we have a better building? Is so we have a better facility? Of course not. Our motivation is that many people may come to that building and hear the word of God preach and point them to Christ and hear the gospel so they can rejoice the same way we are rejoicing. And they will multiply. And the Lord will use this building as a speaker, huge speaker, as we train others in a seminary that we host in this building. So they go to their hometowns in Spain all around Spain, even Portugal, North Africa, and to the ends of the earth, and do the same. Preach Christ and tell others about the great God we have because we have experienced it first ourselves. Why is God blessing us? Because of his grace, because of his mercy, not because we deserve it, but he's blessing us so that others may know him and be saved. Others may praise him and rejoice. Others may fear him and enjoy his blessing. The main focus in this psalm is God, the God of the blessings. 17 times in this psalm. You know who is the secondary uh, actress, actor, secondary role? Not even ourselves, not even the blessings. It's the peoples, the earth, the nations. In just seven verses, 10 times they are mentioned. God is blessing us because he's a great God. Because he's the God of the blessings. But secondly, God is blessing us so the earth, the people, the nations will know him through Jesus Christ for his glory. This is my prayer. That the Lord will use you, my brothers and sisters, 
here in Norman to put the word out, to talk about Christ to everyone who is around you. But not only for that, but put the word out in this state, in Oklahoma. Put the word out in the East Coast. Put the word out in the States. Put the word out in the continent. Put the word out around the world, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa. So this church will be known for praising the Lord and for telling others about Christ, the Lord and Savior. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you this morning. This is amazing as we see in your word who you are, your splendor, your greatness, your glory, and you have manifested that to us. Just sinners. We just deserve the punishment for our sins, but in your mercy, in your grace, you send your son, Jesus Christ, to pardon our sins, to reconcile us to you, to make us your children, to declare us justice, just and righteous. Lord, what a great gift. What a great blessing. We don't deserve it. Give us joy as we reflect on this. That this will be will cause us pleasure, will drive us in this life. And Lord, as we experience, as we enjoy this blessing, this huge blessing of salvation, that we will tell others. That we will use our mouth and our lives to tell others about Christ. And as you bless us materially, help us to use even this blessing to put the word out around the world. And you will use it to save many for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. In the name of Jesus. David, thank you so much for guiding us into God's Word today. Such a blessing uh, to have that psalm presented so beautifully to us today. As a church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. And by His grace, we have the opportunity to invite the nations to follow Jesus together with us. Thank you for that reminder today. And thank you for being here with us as we have kicked off our For the Nations weekend our week, uh, just this this weekend. And a couple of things just to make sure that you're aware of. Next weekend is our Compassion Experience here at Wildwood from Friday through to Monday, the 8th through the 11th. And so we'd love for you to come and to walk through that. On Sunday, we'll be talking about our partnership with the church in Lagoa, but opportunities to sponsor children in that church will be available all weekend long. Also, if you would like to interact with some of our missionary partners during lunch today, um, as long as food is available, uh, you can go down uh, around room two, and we'll have uh, some food downstairs after the service. But at this point, um, if you would like somebody to pray with you, there'll be some of us up here at the foot of the cross that would love to pray with you after the service. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Let's go and follow Jesus together to the glory of God this week. <laughs>